0: Greetings everyone. Uh, welcome to the final episode of 2019, the 20th episode of Material Analysis. Merry
1: Christmas,
0: Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates it. Uh, in this episode, uh, we would be summarizing our thoughts, observations, analysis for our personal political developments over the year, what what we learned, what what we think we should talk about. Uh, we may also talk about what we hope uh, we want to do for next year, what, what, what we think the world would be like the next year. So everybody would first talk about their observations and then then we can conclude together. So Mm -hmm. why don't you start uh, and it's your host Chandu and joining us is Comrade uh, Bella, Pramod and Dilip. Uh, So Comrade Bella why don't you start with uh, your concluding statement for this year
2: don't know if it's a statement but it is a reflection of sorts um this year i found that my politics has actually shifted more from left liberal to more sort of left i don't know what more left aligned than left liberal i don't know i'm somewhere between left liberal and just outright communist i guess um i've had a lot of thoughts about identity politics this year um a number of professional incidents, uh, which I can't reveal without revealing more of who I am. But let's just say I've had a number of uh, opportunities to witness identity politics on the ground, um, that I sincerely think have been, uh, have sort of demonstrated the limitedness of that mode of engagement, as well as that mode of material change. Uh, You know, we had an episode earlier this year called hashtag represent. And a lot of the lot of my thoughts on that episode actually came from some of these um, experiences, which is that representational politics has very limited uh, impact in terms of shifting material realities, transforming systems of power um, to really benefit the powerless of the oppressed. Um, I've particularly seen this with the Medgarite movements, but also with the feminist movements this year. I've had a lot of thoughts about Me Too, for instance, um, and whether it's actually wrought any of the changes that feminists have wanted to uh, have have demanded over the past few years, and I've actually found it very limiting the The, the mode of engagement that people ask us to have in terms of saying uh, listen to the lived experiences and so on has become severely limited because um, there's there's what what ends up happening is that neoliberalism ends up appropriating this discourse. Um, we adopt and listen to the voices that we most agree with. Um, And again, we pick individuals who whose politics generally appeals to us, and then we amplify those voices. Whereas the idea of identity politics, actually, when we say lived experiences has always been driven by this imagination that we listen to collective experiences, we listen to how people have collectively come together, have politicized their education and their actions against systems of power. And that is being diluted when we simply pay representational politics. So this for me has been a fundamental sort of steep curve where I have decided that I need to be this needs to be less about talking to individuals and finding individuals to speak from one particular marginalized group uh, and instead talking uh, to collectives to political uh, activists and organizers um, and finding solidarities between different groups that have then organized so individuals less groups more um, privileging uh, singular identitarian experiences is not as useful as say coming together in ideological spirit, understanding ideology and then working against ideology together. These are I think some of the fundamental ways in which I have seen my politics shift and how I would like to organize from here on. So that has been my big sort of learning moment in 2019.
0: All right, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. Comrade uh, Dilip, would you like to go next?
3: I think Comrade Pramod will go next.
0: Comrade Pramod, okay, let's hear from Comrade (laughs) Pramod.
1: I've had uh, had similar doubts as uh, Pela did uh, concerning this kind of identity politics. But then I can't say that these doubts emerged today. Uh, But in some sense, it has been confirmed by a lot of um, these experiences over the past year or so. Um, As people might know by now, I've been uh, very, very invested in the anti-NRC, anti-CAA, now CA, but the back then the anti-CA movement. And I was concerned about it from the way before, you know, it became very mainstream in the sense that I I was invested in this issue when it actually started in SM. Now, the thing is that, and by that I also mean before the first draft even came out. Now, the thing is that, you know, I've seen, like, at least uh, within the space, within the kind of space that the audience inhabits, our audience inhabits, uh, there has been a lot of privileging done on these so called So just to add on to a point that Bela was making, like, you know, sometimes it's about saying that, you know, we, there's this tendency to think, okay, if a particular marginalized community is saying one thing, then that also corresponds to the truth. Like, for instance, I could go and say that today in West Bengal, in, uh, uh, there, there are these districts where you see a lot of, there is a very high pro- uh, population of scheduled castes who also su- happen to support the CAA. And they can give you uh, their own reasoning as to why they want a CAA. Does that now mean that you should go and support the CAA? You should not. And, uh, you know, then I think that, you know, this the, there's a problem with this kind of lived experience politics because you come in with, as Bela was saying, you come in with a kind of preconception about what you want to hear. And then sometimes you get confirmation of those beliefs and then you take it as validating your own whereas yeah and you know sometimes when you and then sometimes the justification is just because these are the quote unquote lived experiences or these are the voices from the margins they are definitely right about a lot of things which may not necessarily be true and there is obviously a role that things like ideology etc play this is something I must stress again and again. Like for instance, even Ambedkarites don't believe that these things are non-ideological. Like because I've worked with some Ambedkarite groups, I might be critical of them at the times. But the thing is, I've worked with them. They themselves will tell you that uh, you know it's not like marginalized groups are free of ideology. There are uh, there are ideological forces that play at play there as well. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing is that uh, this year, you know. To be very frank, it's probably been one of the most disastrous years I've seen in Indian politics so far. You, you've had uh, a landslide victory by the BJP. Then, you know, in my own state, something that would have been unbelievable if you had told me like even four years back that I'd have to see a day when the BJP was the second largest party in my state, I would have laughed at you. But that is the reality right now for me as well. And uh, Then you have the final list of the NRC coming out. And 1.9 million people are excluded from it. You have a bunch of suicides, etc., happening uh, in Assam because of it. Then the government announces that threatens uh, people in West Bengal with an NRC. You have some suicides here as well. And then obviously they announce a nationwide NRC, and obviously you know in the meantime there's you know the revocation of not the proper revocation but the, the revocation of 35 A in Kashmir through some manipulation of 370. And that, with that entire shutdown and, you know, from what we understand, the Indian state has become even more brutal there. And at the end of the day, what has happened is that, you know, the CAA has come in and the CAA has been ratified by the president and it's now an act. And we, and that's where we stand right now. Oh yeah, obviously the Babri Masjid thing also happened. This has been a year of disasters and I guess, you know, the only thing is from this year, of course, internationally things have been pretty bad as well. General Corbyn lost. So uh, there are no positives from this year as far as I can see. As far as what has changed, I don't think a lot of my politics has changed. I think in some sense I've become more skeptical towards a lot of politics. I mean, I keep engaging with them. I don't think the solution... For, uh, for you know, disillusionment is disengagement, which is sometimes how people progress. And I've been disillusioned in the way that left parties are organizing. I've been disillusioned by the way, how uh, the way, you know, this excessive focus on student protests and students leading the way when I actually see, that, you know, for instance, this recent CIA, anti-CAA protests that are going on, it's actually not the students who are mainly organizing and who are getting shot or killed or demonized, etc. But then you obviously see this romanticization of the student movement that is happening. And, you know, you think that the left would learn, but it clearly hasn't learned the lesson. Uh, you see that, you know, there is... A lot of things. So, I mean, like, I, what can I say? I'm just disillusioned, disappointed and extremely sad about this entire year. And I think the next year is going to be worse. So, that's that's really about as much as I have to say. Over to the next person.
0: Hello. Which is going to be Comrade Dilip. Yes. It's me. Thank
3: you, uh, Comrade Pramod. Uh, I I haven't had much change in my political leanings uh, in 2019, to be honest. Uh, before, before I start... Um, christmas so um, to, there are three things that i i think like it kind of my conviction convictions really got hardened one of it is about open borders i think like uh, over the past year i've been reading a lot about climate change i've been uh, involved in few of these uh, activist networks i've observed these activist networks i've read about how people are trying to enact a change when it comes to climate change. And especially I've been reading the science very closely. And even though I have always been convinced of the science, I've always been convinced of the politics, you know, I have never internalized the urgency. So this year I really internalized the urgency. I really think like we are completely screwed in the way as a species, how we are responding in the way how, uh, Leftist responding to the enormity of climate crisis, even though, like, I completely agree, the left is the organizing force in many places, including Europe, Asia, and uh, uh, U.S. against climate change. I simply think we aren't doing enough, and we aren't ourselves educated enough about the urgency um, in which uh, we have to act and in which we have to focus. So this really deeply concerns me, and I think, like, over the next few years, we are going to talk. A lot about how it's going to impact all of us and the generations to come, and that's one of the things. So when I started with open borders, I saw what has happened to you know the the wave of suicides that are related to the NRC. So it it, re, it really it really um, uh, you know kind of how to say took a toll on me in, in the way the, the the stories have panned out about NRC especially. Uh, especially the stories uh, of, uh, you know, uh, suicides of people who are apprehensive that they might be put up in the list. And which is why as like, you know, I became more hardened as a leftist internationalist uh, more than anything, because the the, the parochial sentiments when it comes to, you know, either uh, climate change or when it comes to the rhetoric of illegal immigrants or refugees or the language of termites that's used by fascists, all these things have really, you know, it's It's frightening. It's really a scary time to be. And if you still are going to hang on to your older principles of you know having these borders might be economically beneficial and whatnot, I, I don't know what to say because when when we are hit by crisis after crisis, you you have to kind of reevaluate your stances on borders. And hopefully some some in the left still have time and they can still come to this camp and say, no human being is illegal and uh, hope hopefully, they, they come to terms with this, you know, reality. The other thing that really has made me completely go to the other side, almost in a, in a violent way, is how the media has behaved. And this is the year which really kind of jolted me because um, I have seen, like, even during the protests, right from uh, the shootings in Tutukudi for the, the Sterlite massacre and throughout the protests to, to the police brutality now, and, uh, you know, the, the, the complete maligning of Jeremy Corbyn uh, in British, uh, by the British media, it, it really showed me how the establishment media operates and how they do the hit jobs on people who are kind of, you know, uh, trying to change the establishment even a little bit. The, the it's Once you come to, once you really realize, once you are really in touch with reality or the facts, it's kind of really shocking how the mainstream establishment media behave much worse in all the places. I thought like Indian media was worse. Once I get got acquainted with the media and the Western, uh, you know, the Western media, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, nothing less disastrous, in my opinion. So in 2019, I have hopes because of how the protests have turned out or because of how people all over the world have organized uh, uh, to the extent uh, to which they can, even though we suffered severe losses as, as left. So one of the things that I hope to do through this podcast and through other medium that I can is to develop sort of an alternative media where we can bring in narratives that that you can't hear in the mainstream media, hopefully anti-establishment, hopefully critical of the power, and hopefully to make uh, you know people think and uh, to 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 be critical of ourselves as well because we too can get carried over by uh, our own narratives or by staying within our own bubble. So. The idea is to kind of be an alternative platform and to have free uh, discussions. And one of the most important things that I have really hardened my convictions is about free speech and civil liberties. Uh, with the uh, the NIA amendment bill and how they have trampled free speech all over, I have I, I really don't have time for people who think that uh, you know uh, we can have free speech restrictions here and there if it's if it goes against my uh, you know, um, uh, woke convictions or whatever. It's one has to really come to senses as a leftist that the state holds enormous power in crushing dissent and Sudha Bharadwaj is still in jail if I be. Yeah, that, that's about it.
0: Okay, I guess I can go next. Um, you are
3: remaining, yes, that's it.
0: Yes, I am the only one remaining. So one last point which comrade Dilip said, which I think is something I also evolved and formed a very consistent position on this year was free speech. I have become, despite, you know, progressives who may hate this, what is called a free speech absolutist over this year, and precisely because I realized that, you know, fascists would never get persecuted by the state when it comes to speech, but the most marginalized and the activists who support them and the politicians on the left are the ones who face themselves in jail and from curbs of speech. But I think there is a bit more to my political evolution this year than this very pragmatic stance on free speech. Of course, I I, I have that stance, but it's connected to a few other things as well. So I, I always did, but you know, the practical movements, the concrete movements I saw within the left sphere I engaged in this year convinced to me the very important need of not just speech, but dissent within the left, and, and the idea that you really cannot have communism or socialism without democracy. It's, uh, it's not just you know this very pragmatic sort of thing that we should have speech because we are the ones who need the speech, most people who are fighting, essentially who are talking about disrupting the hegemonic political system but it's more than that. Uh, I would say that the movement itself fails when the movement refuses to be an ideological movement and restricts itself to being an organizational movement. This is something I realized over this year that is very common in the Indian left sphere uh, that there is a lot of by rote organization happening. Um, Things are done because they are done. And I think that sort of thing hurts us all. This, this, uh, this actually connects a bit with my internationalist tendency in the sense that I've seen that lefts in other countries have sort of evolved on this. They have become more inventive, wherein I, I don't see that evolution happening in the Indian left. I have over this one year become somewhat disenchanted with what exists, and hence, redoubled my efforts to work on what doesn't. Uh, Redoubled my efforts on making other things. And while making other things, I, I mean, there's a bit of hope, like Comrade Pramod was talking about everything being shit. And that's true that everything is being shit overall in the macro idea. But I think if there is a way out of it, it is to, it is to build, it is to constantly build. And if you don't like, how the left is right now you will have to organize it in spaces where it doesn't exist and try to create another kind of left and it's not impossible like a lot of people like I, I i essentially work with technology workers and essentially people who are not very you know who don't come from the pedagogy most indian folks come from and there is a lot of interest in certain ideas, because people do understand that something is wrong, even even the current protests against the um, NRC and CAA. The youth does understand something is wrong, you don't have to run after the youth holding copies of Lenin's what is to be done to teach them socialism. They do understand something is wrong. People do understand injustice. We have to work really hard in developing alternative ways of organizing if we don't like the way we organize right now. I personally have felt over this one year that the left le- left spaces can be pretty alienating and there are a lot of people out there who have the correct instincts and their political education can't be done in the way this has been happening till now so I think I agree with comrade Dilip when he says you know alternative means of uh, alternative means of teaching these things of education but that that instinct that instinct which comes That instinct about justice, I think it's very important. I I don't think that you become a... You start to analyze things from the get-go or you become a socialist from the get-go. I think there is an instinct for doing the right thing, for having a just world, for not expropriating uh, somebody, of not exploiting somebody. That has to be there at first. Then there is a need for some kind of socialist ethics. There is a need for... There is a need for... uh, Making certain that Marxism is not reduced to an analysis of of numbers because even that is a choice, right? Like even saying that you want workers to have justice or even saying that you want you want to end commodity power. Those are choices and, and they ultimately come from the desire to do what is right. And if you we, if we are not very clear about that, if you are not very clear about why we want what we want, then we are, I think, deluding ourselves. I think we need to revisit those basics and I am more optimistic about next year. So that, that's all I have to say.
2: And I think at, at some point, I feel like all of us have come to the conclusion that leftist, internationalist politics that is sort of committed to a more, uh, you know, democratic mm-hmm. and liberatory process is something that we've all come to. So that in itself is something mm-hmm. that I think we can take hope from that all of us have ended up in this corner of, of the political spectrum and that more people can be persuaded to join this corner.
0: Yes. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, I think that. You know, no matter what, like even in India, I think people ultimately, you know, most people, they just want to live. They just want to have a better future for themselves and their children. And I think that, you know, it's possible to fight sectarianism, fascism. It's possible to fight, uh, of course, fascistic politics, okay, if you want to be very exact. I think it's possible to fight these very virulent ideas of ethno-nationalism. Sure, they matter a lot to people and sure, the right in India is organized very well, but ultimately these are political battles which we have to take up and uh, I would say that hopeless as uh, as things may look right now, I think yes, I am hopeless about formations which exist. No, I am not hopeless about the ideology itself or the or the or the idea that other formations might be built right or might just crop up
2: right we
0: yeah. we've solved
2: it we've done it you guys congratulations
0: yeah we have solved 2019 guys yes yes
2: come and join us on the left that's
0: all we have to say uh, we yeah. we would like to thank our audience literally for thank you like, for like
1: bearing with us for 20 episodes i like guess
0: episode, like seriously i saw like what seven thousand players or something on spotify like guys that's, that's exciting of, like that is exciting. TV, like this you have no other job are, like, are you that like,
1: jobless
0: like, but but please do listen <laughs> don't listen to this guy he'll just say that you are jobless or whatever but i would like to thank you you know like i saw we have so, like 11
1: listen to better podcasts
0: <laughs> yeah sure but, but listen to us as well uh We have 11 patrons, like every single one of you. Are
2: you for real? I did
0: not know that. (laughs) We have 11 patrons. Like, I think if you have shown so much faith in us, we also need to reciprocate. Because all those plays, all that that patronage and all that needs to be reciprocated. We would try to, you know, improve the podcast quality next year. Um, I... It it might have been obvious, but I am the one who edits it. And I I would try to edit better. Um,
1: Like, you know, like Walter White. So, he's like the one who edits. I
0: am the one who edits. (laughs) Edit that out as well. Uh, (laughs) What? I didn't even understand the joke. Never (laughs) mind Like, the audience will get it. Okay. Here's the thing. I Uh, think, like you guys
3: have to let us know what you like what you don't and how we have to in which areas you think we have to improve and what are the topics you are looking forward for us to speak about we, so, we
0: really we are grateful that you know in the pen, like before the penultimate episode we asked for topic suggestions and a lot of people gave suggestions right. and we chose one of them which was mental health but yeah. the other suggestions people give we will definitely circle back to them so, and we would just like to you guys to keep giving suggestions because that's always good. Um, mm-hmm. Please share this with your friends. Uh, we would on our part try to read more, try to do better analysis, the re- try to improve on the reading lists we- which we give on pa- Patreon. So
2: 2020 is going to be pretty terrible. <laughs> So support us and uh, we can hopefully commiserate (laughs) (laughs) All the pod. Support support
0: each other. Like the point which I was trying to make about socialist ethics is just that you have to, you know, you have to make certain that your comrades are doing well. We have to become a community which sort of not just has things which we all contribute towards this community, but which also understands that we are each weak and wanting in our own unique self and socialism should be that even if you are weak and wanting the community should you know pitch in and and save you so so keep an eye out for your friends and comrades support each other through these times of global fascism uh, at the end we will win because not, not because not just because you know the mathematics say that capitalism must uh must end or or some some such deterministic shit but because again fr- from from each according to their ability to each according to their need oh wow so wow uh yes. i think we can we can we end can on
2: end that. on that note. yes
0: yeah. and please happy 2020
2: it. or a happy, happy new year to everybody best <laughs> of luck courage
0: for all your political fights
3: was a yes. you, have to, you have to tweet at a material analysis podcast and say that you have to keep uh, inviting Dilip because they, they, they do podcasts without me deliberately, please.
2: Uh, we this, is a a lie.
0: Lie. <laughs> this is a lie this, this is, is a dirty lie. rotten lie and also Dilip from... needs to be charmed and begged and pleaded with no. yes. Time. yes we would like to wish yes. you also from comrade pinky's side who has yes. not been able to come because the fam- she wanted to be in the final episode of the season but uh, she had uh, personal uh, obligations and she also sends her greetings bye
3: bye